It's Saturday, February the 12th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, more American troops to Poland and Canadian protesters ordered to disband. First, the week in brief. The Pentagon will send 3,000 more troops to Poland in readiness for a potential Russian assault on Ukraine, which America said could happen, quote, at any time. President Joe Biden will speak with his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin, on Saturday in the hope of forestalling that possibility. America, Britain and several other countries urge their citizens to leave Ukraine immediately. Jake Sullivan, America's national security adviser, warned that a Russian offensive could start with, quote, aerial bombing and missile attacks, followed by a ground invasion of, quote, massive force. A judge in Ontario, Canada, allowed police to use force to remove protesters blocking a bridge to America. Earlier, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, had warned them to expect, quote, an increasingly robust police intervention. The Premier of Ontario declared a state of emergency in the province, and threaten miscreants with up to a year in prison and a maximum fine of 100,000 Canadian dollars, 78,500 US dollars. Disruptions to cross-border traffic have reduced car makers' manufacturing capacity, reaching, in Toyota's case, as far south as its plant in Alabama. America's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said the protection from a third jab of the COVID-19 vaccine waned after several months. Effectiveness against hospitalisation fell from 91% after two months of receiving a booster to 78% by the fourth month. Separately, regulators said they would need more time to consider whether to approve the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine for children aged five and under. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, received a legal questionnaire from the Metropolitan Police as part of an inquiry into parties held at Downing Street during COVID lockdowns. The document, also sent to around 50 others, asks for a quote, account and explanation of the recipient's participation in an event. A spokesperson said Mr Johnson would quote, respond as required. President Joe Biden signalled his intent to release half of the $7 billion of Afghan central bank assets frozen after the Taliban took power to be used for quote, the benefit of the Afghan people. The rest of the money is earmarked as compensation for victims of 9-11, rather than going back to Afghanistan to improve its crippled economy, broken healthcare system and food shortages. The IMF said that South Africa's pandemic recovery had been faster than expected, but was at risk of faltering. It cited high unemployment, weak bank lending to the private sector and poor investment as problems, observing that the growth of the country's economy had done little to alleviate poverty or inequality. Quote, macroeconomic fundamentals, it warned, quote, have weakened. Electricité de France, the state-owned electricity provider, announced it would hire 3,000 workers as France prepares to build six nuclear reactors over the coming decades. President Emmanuel Macron said the first would come online by 2035. Studies will assess the feasibility of building eight additional plants. 
European countries have taken different approaches to nuclear energy. Germany is shutting down its reactors. Word of the week. Mujin. Noun. Traditional local microcredit associations in Japan, which have evolved into something more like social clubs. And correction. In Friday's edition, we said that 34% of Hong Kongers over 80 are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. That was incorrect. Only 25% are fully vaccinated. 34% have had at least one jab. Sorry. And now here's today's agenda. How to dismantle a democracy. Tunisian politics is increasingly a one-man show. On February 6th, Kais Saeed, the president, dissolved the Supreme Judicial Council, a body that oversees the courts. His justice minister then said it would only be reformed, though Mr Saeed later contradicted her. Judges are unpopular and seen as slow to investigate corruption. They called for a protest on Thursday over the move, but attendance was sparse. Already last summer, Mr Saeed had suspended Parliament and much of the democratic constitution that was adopted in 2014, after the Jasmine Revolution, a protest movement that rapidly spread on social media, inspiring the Arab Spring. Many Tunisians backed his power grab, but he has delivered little in the way of reform. Instead of trying to tackle Tunisia's worst recession since independence in 1956, he remains obsessed with rewriting the constitution. The opposition to Mr Saeed is factitious and weak. Some wonder if the president, having bulldozed the country's institutions, may himself be forced out by a worsening economy that triggers mass protest, with an even more authoritarian ruler taking his place. India's Hijab Rao Students in Karnataka, a state in southern India, will begin returning to the classroom on Monday. Lessons were suspended last week amid a row about religious clothing. In December, six young Muslim women at a government college staged protests when they were told to remove their hijabs when attending classes. Men wearing saffron shawls held counter-protests. The colour is associated with Hindu nationalism. Unrest has since spread to other schools and states. A lawyer accused the school of, quote, religious apartheid. The Karnataka government, run by the Bharatiya Janata Party of Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister, decried, quote, clothes which disturb equality, integrity and public law. On February 10th, Karnataka's High Court said that until it considers the matter more fully, no student should wear religious clothing in school. Anti-Muslim sentiment may bolster the BJP's Hindu nationalist agenda during elections in five states. But such heavy-handedness over the hijab makes the national government's campaigns to boost female education ring hollow. Antiques Roadshow Two pieces of classical Greek sculpture recently changed places in a swap with a political message. A marble foot belonging to Artemis, the goddess of hunting, is now on view in Athens. 
It is a fragment of the 2,500-year-old Parthenon Temple frieze, on loan from the Antonio Salinas Regional Archaeological Museum in Palermo, Italy. The Acropolis Museum sent a small marble statue of Athena, the goddess of wisdom, in return, its first ever loan to a foreign museum. The exchange is to last for at least four years. The loan to Greece may be made permanent. Greece hopes it will pave the way for the Parthenon marbles, currently in the British Museum, to return to Athens one day. The Prime Minister, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, has repeated a long-standing offer. If those sculptures, removed from the temple by a Scottish aristocrat in the 19th century, are repatriated, Greece will carry out short-term exchanges of some artworks with the British Museum. The Not-So-Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Quote, Nostalgia's a hell of a drug, muses cousin Carlton in Bel-Air. So it would seem. With its premiere on Sunday on Peacock, NBC Universal's streaming service, Bel-Air reimagines The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, a 1990s sitcom that made Will Smith a household name. The remake is a much grittier tale set in the present day. Everyone carries smartphones, Cousin Hillary is an aspiring influencer, and Mr Smith's character is a wanted man forced to flee West Philadelphia for his own safety. These updates cannot mask the fact that the reboot was unnecessary in the first place. Belair takes a heavy-handed approach to issues such as race and class that its source material had covered much more deftly. The show's producers, including Mr Smith and the original creators, clearly could not resist the wave of nostalgia that has engulfed Hollywood. Unfortunately, the result is much less fresh than its predecessor. Weekend Profile James Bowder Convoy Artist When the quote, Freedom Convoy, a group of lorry drivers angered by a new requirement that they abide by the same COVID-19 restrictions on cross-border travel as any other Canadian, began to arrive in Ottawa on January 28th, few imagined it would still be there two weeks later. Non-trucking vaccine sceptics have joined. The protest has become an occupation. James Bowder is in the driving seat. It is not his first such demo. He was involved in a convoy called United We Roll in 2019 to rail against the Canadian government's environmental policies. It also attracted a strong showing from the far right. That should come as little surprise. On social media, Mr Bowder has spouted anti-vax and QAnon conspiracies, questioned the official account of the Christchurch massacre in New Zealand, and encouraged rioters at America's capital to quote, get back up and win the fight. Mr Bowder arrived in Ottawa in advance of the convoy, travelling in a recreational vehicle covered in graffiti. He encouraged his followers to sign a quote, memorandum of understanding that has become central to the quote, freedom convoy. He has since withdrawn it. Starting with an inspirational quotation from Thomas Jefferson, which Jefferson never uttered, it called on the federal government to stop their quote, human rights violations or resign. Mr Bowder and a rabble of protesters descended on the Senate late last year to deliver the pseudo-legal document, only to be turned away by a police officer who explained that they only need to post it. 
Ineptitude does not necessarily stop bad ideas from spreading. Copycat protests have sprung up as far afield as Australia and Europe. Telegram, a messaging app beloved by extremists, is awash with attempts to start more. America's Department of Homeland Security has even warned that a similar protest south of the border might disrupt President Joe Biden's State of the Union speech on March 1st, or perish the fort, the Super Bowl. For Mr. Bowder, that would be a touchdown, or maybe a false flag. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Immanuel Kant, who died on this day in 1804. Thoughts without content are empty. Intuitions without concepts are blind. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 